The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. We're back. Another edition of the Sour Hour. It's that time. I should say that. It's our first thing to say. I'm out of order. I'm your host, Jay. Yeah, Jay? Question mark? On the Brewing Network, in the Brewing Network Studios, downtown Concord. I'm your host, Bevo. Wait, no, I'm, now I'm just all over the place. Justin? No. no. Scott's here. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Save me from this. And no Bevo, but uh, we've got Danica behind the glass. Hi, Danica. You can stick and see on the camera. How's it going? She's a little gun shy. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. She's a really talkative girl, and then all yep. of a sudden when the mics heat up, it's just mum. Mum yep. the word. Yep. What are your thoughts on the biggest mistake in sour beer making? She's got a <laughs> Perfect. full flatbread. <laughs> and she's checked out. Quiet, quiet dignity. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Great show tonight. Tonight's guest, Speciation. I feel like that's going to sound hot on the mic. It's very like uh, trebly. You got the you got the plosive with the p, and then you got the artisan ales, and we have the owner slash head of fermentation, Mitch Ermatinger. Nailed that pronunciation. Killed it. Just checked on that. <laughs> Seen his name uh, all over Milk the Funk so many times, and never really said it out loud until today, which is fun because we get to talk to him about uh, all the fun things he's been doing at Speciation, uh, formerly of former future and black project and you guys know them from a previous show on the sour hour go back and listen to that that was a good show other things you should do because i mean this show is for free so do these things that we tell you to do you <laughs> should call us 888-41-BEER join us in the chat you can send feedback to either scott or myself by emailing scott at the brewing network.com jay at the brewing network.com watch us we got the webcam on we do hello uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. You can also listen live. You guys know this, the Brewing Network app. Search BN Mobile and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave some reviews, which, so I have a couple of things to say on this topic because in the last show, which was the Rare Barrel staff, well, the great show, go back and listen to that one. But, uh, you know, we've attempted to kind of change how we do the reviewer of the week and we've kind of X'd out the old version, and we're trying out a new one where you guys, uh, if you are so inclined to leave a positive review for us, we'd like you to, you know, not just leave your, your name and where you're from, but also uh, a song mm. suggestion for yeah. what us industry folk call a rejoiner, mm -hmm. which is a, a song that we play coming back from break. If you don't fast forward through the breaks, you'll hear sometimes uh, some, uh, what do you call them, liners yep. from uh, some of our previous guests and other sour beer luminaries uh so those are fun to check out so if you're one of the people who listen to that you can listen out for your song and uh all it costs you is a minute of your time to leave us some feedback on itunes yes and uh I, you know i try to make it easy on you to uh not fast forward through the breaks i mean I, I'm, I'm really only playing one spot per break on this show since so it's 60 seconds and you know the sponsors are what keeps uh, the brewing network on the air yep. of course so you know, so able to just start plugging in like a 15 second conversation between scott and i just right in the middle <laughs> yeah you, you never, never know. know what you might Little miss that's a good idea we should do that we we'll do not that on uh, show two well, we won't or tell you one. which yeah. one we're gonna do that's what on. makes it the easter egg that's right they're hard to find so actually no we did get uh there's a, a review with a song suggestion in there per your request on the last show from Chasen Chrome. It's a five-star review. He says, I listen to all the BN shows, even the uh, juicy podcast with the MIA host, a.k.a. The Session. <laughs> but the Sour Hour tops them all. I'm on my third trip through all the episodes wow. and still finding little gems of knowledge and ideas for my sours. Uh, I also heard JP wants pictures of juicy IPAs sent to his email. That is true. JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. <laughs> Definitely send those. Anyway, uh, Chasen Chrome goes on and he says, I request Fairly Local by 21 Pi. So uh, on okay. uh, one of the breaks on this uh, group of shows here with uh, Speciation, we will uh, give Chasen Chrome's Rejoiner a try. Great. That sounds good. I'm not familiar with that song or 
band slash artist. You are familiar with 21 Pilots. Uh, I am. Stressed out. I'm now we're stressed out. You know that song? Yeah, no. you do. Come on. After my rousing rendition, you don't know what song no, I'm talking about? I don't think about? so. Oh, All right, please. well, you're looking for that. So I was listening to the, the beginning of the last show, which I mentioned was Rare Barrel Staff. You actually promised on the show to have an answer about whether or not we're going to be on Spotify, tuned in, etc. Let's hear the song first while yeah. you consider how well, while to the, get out of this. <laughs> while we're getting to the chorus, uh, we all, what were the ones you mentioned? Uh, Spotify and tune, tune in. Okay, so we're on tune in. Oh, good. Well, let me let me play this. Uh, which because I, I actually I talked to Justin and I looked it up. Cool. Uh, Sour hour tune in. Now we're not on tune in. <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, Spotify. Spotify yeah. uh, I feel like I looked up one of these and. And, uh, no, it's not that one either. There's another one. Uh, um, uh, Stitcher. 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 That's the one we're on. There it is. Sour Hour I do know on this Stitcher. Song. I do know that song. Yeah. To the good old days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I killed that rendition. Now, now we're stressed out. Yeah. Okay. So you know, know the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking forward to the, the other one. Expanding my 21 Pilots portfolio. Indeed. So thanks, Jason Chrome, for the review. Yeah. So we are going to be on those things, or should I stop bugging you about that? Because well, I, as I said on yeah. the last show, I have no idea if that's even a thing we want to look into. But. We are we are on it, and uh, Justin is just um, indisposed right now at uh, the Man of Burning in the Desert. Mm-hmm. Once he is back from that and recovered sometime around mid-December, yeah. we should be getting on that. <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are beating down our door for that, but I, have, <laughs> I heard like from one person about that. Okay. And I like Spotify. Yeah, I do too. That's good. All right. I want to tell you guys about something. It's not something I was previously familiar with, but now I know because I read this. Homebrew Label Awards. Scott, they're back. Yes, they are. All you homebrewers out there, presumably not pro brewers, but uh, submit your artwork at homebrewlabelawards.com and let your homebrewing peers shower you with votes. The, la- <laughs> the labels with the most votes can win fabulous prizes. Pretty easy, huh? Last year, we handed out over wow $5,000 worth of prizes to the winners, and this year, they're doing it again. The, one, the ones that trip me out, the, the live reads where it's like we, you know? Right. It's really difficult, this job. You know, in my mind, I have to, on the fly, see we and then instead say they. It's tough work. It's tough. Yeah, feel bad for me. Maybe, they're, <laughs> maybe they have it written that way just because they want it to, you know, they want you to own it or something. I'll own it. This year, we're doing it again. <laughs> no labels, no problem. That's what we say. I just made that up. <laughs> you can check out all the cool labels being submitted and cast your vote on the favorite ones. On your favorite ones. On our favorite ones. On your we we favorite one no yeah we favorite ones that's to help right. your favorite homebrewer achieve fame and glory that's homebrewlabelawards.com. dot com that sounds pretty cool it is cool I wonder is there a way to look up like what won last year maybe probably uh, I have the internet here on my computer so while you're doing that quick thing since the last show I've been kind of gently reminding people about our beer club at the uh, Rare yeah. Barrel now it's now it's getting real because uh, we just sent out some emails to current club members that renewals are one week from today so that's going to be September 6th for existing members we added a few new benefits so if you are already an ambassador of Sour which is the name of the club go check out check on your emails and for those who are not in the club yet probably about a month out we'll be doing uh open enrollment if there are any uh remaining spots and that'll get you 10 rare barrel sour beers merch growler fills discount first access to a lot of our the beer releases and now scott is showing me oh no please finish your thing no, no. this well, is very important i think i was about finished <laughs> you were, well i mean it's sign the- up for the rare barrel ambassadors of sour and uh have some rare barrel beer. If you can get in on it. I mean, it sells out in like minutes every year, yeah, I don't doesn't know. it? I, I, so, like I said, we're doing renewals for the current members next week, and we assume that we'll maybe have some spots after that, but I, you know, I can't necessarily guarantee that. But if that does happen, that will happen about a month afterwards. And again, like I have mentioned before, if you're checking us out on social media, signing up for a newsletter, you'll be informed well in advance of when that's going to happen. But oftentimes it is kind of a, it can be one of those, like we started at 9 a.m. and then 9.07. Yeah. You really got to be on top of it. And let me ask you this. It's a business question. You may or may not know the answer because it might not be your department, but what, do you know what approximate percentage renew every year? I don't. Is it 95? No. I'm I'm more concerned about what percentage of sour beer we're dumping down the drain. (laughs) Is it 95? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's close, <laughs> unfortunately. So here I pulled up the. Um, now this is uh, our, our our wonderful and longtime sponsor, Grog Tag. They sponsor this contest. Oh, the, they, okay. You know, which is now it, it all makes sense. Copy there. Thank um, you, Grog Tag. And uh, go support them. So here are some some really good ones. Here's the, the uh, Meat Sweats American Lager. Somebody nice. did it. Looks like a packaged uh, ribeye or something from the grocery <laughs> store with the barcode. Really cool. Looks like a nice piece of meat too. It does. Nice a, marbling. A, a field of grains. Uh, grains. Uh, zombie. Zombie beer. What is this? A Dusseldorf Alt. Here's Happy Mustache Brewing Company. Anyway, you can go check out uh, homebrewlabelawards.com. See some of these really cool ones. Oh, the and worst. enjoyably, the worst. Oh, they should have put this in the copy. That's nice. Yeah, no, honestly, right? Here's Grasshopper Stout with <laughs> Shame. a... What's wrong with this? A nice little pen and ink drawing of a grasshopper. I'm not uh, sure. <laughs> I like this one. Porter Potty. <laughs> I mean, it, I guess it's about the label, not the name, right? But even uh, then, I mean, even then, it's pretty good, right? He just has like a, it's just a picture of a porta potty. I like all these yeah, worst ones, great, right? And then here's not much effort IPA, and it's a uh, a, a binder paper with binder paper tape to it. These are solid with sharpie, and yeah, that's good. This anyway, if you worst? want to join in on this fun, yeah, homebrewlabelawards.com. Yes, brought to you by Grokdag. Indeed. You know what I have, Jay, uh, that I forgot to grab out of the cold box yeah. is uh, we have a ton of Mitch's from Speciations Beer, which I'm really excited about. For sure. Uh, but we also have, remember I brought up um, Justin from Maniacal Brewing Company out in uh, Bangor, Maine? Yes. Uh, that He had sent in a whole bunch of beer. I brought in a couple of them to try, and I totally forgot to grab them in this first segment. I'm um, surprised you brought them in in the first place. <laughs> what What is left after I decimated them, of course, by <laughs> myself? You know, I, I did bring in the leftovers. Um, so I would like to go grab a couple. So maybe um, can we throw a question to you? and Throw a question. At me, I'll be extremely verbose, Sounds and uh, yeah. By the time you get back, we'll have, we'll have beer. Okay, get a get a nice complex one. Let's see, sour uh, vintages. This is a very well. Okay, let's that check, one's with, let's good. check in with Danica real quick. How, how you doing back there? Oh, a, a, a thumbs up, and then a so-so. <laughs> a little mixed message. How's the flatbread? Oh, Ooh, two thumbs, thumbs up and a head nod. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Here, really so good content. Here, let's try this one here from uh, from Sam Bates. Sam says, uh, hey, Scott and Jay, I have a question regarding head retention. I have noticed in a lot of the newer vintages of rare barrel beers that the head retention has been much better than in the past. Do you observe the same thing before I continue with this question? Yes, but I'm... <sighs> I'm slightly skeptical we've asked this, maybe even on the last show, but let's go ahead Did and answer it anyway. It? No, because it seems... this just came in yesterday. Okay, then you are right and I'm wrong. Uh, we might have addressed we got something... a few emails from Sam, and I think we might have gotten perhaps something similar, but let's go for okay. it. Okay, all right. Well, in any case, he says, uh, I even recall a past episode where this was brought up. There you go. And uh, how Great often... memory, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and how often it comes and goes quick. It just sort of dissipates right away. What have you guys changed to produce more head retention with your sour beers? And then he goes on with a bunch of guesses. Is it a mash resin, additional ingredient, carb level, pH balance? Is there a complex answer to this question? I don't think so. I think it's we've in, uh, introduced more hops into our beer. I hear they're adding more hops. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> McLovin. You know that, Danica? Oh, yeah, she knows. She's a huge yeah. Super Bad fan. She yeah. has like 11 Love Super Bad. More hops. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it is the hops. You know, we've been doing that more to uh, help us in our, you know, constant battle. <laughs> what used to be for acidity is now is against acidity in our uh, cellar balance. But we've been using it to tamp it down and uh, kind of delay the bacterial growth and encourage more Britannomyces uh, aromatic production, but also lessen the acidity in our beers. So, you know, just something like in between 20 and 30 IBUs. But yeah, I, th I think our head retention is getting better. It's still not great. You know, I'm looking at a, a newer beer of ours that Scott has in his glass, and hmm. I guess that had stuck around for a while. But I mean, it's gone now. Yeah. You've had that beer for a while. That's what I would attribute it to. That would explain why the earlier vintages uh, do not have as much, because we went, you know, one IBU for a long time. And uh, now we're increasing that. So, so can you clarify? You know, this whole time you were supposed to be getting a beer. Yeah, I know, but you said it wasn't a complex <laughs> answer. <laughs> so I stuck around. Well, can I ask you to clarify the, the statement about the, we used to do it for more acidity and now we do it for less? Yeah, I mean, What does that mean? Hops? Yeah, I mean, that's we, we, we did that across the board, trying to encourage bacterial growth in the very beginning of the brewery. And then with, kind of... With less hops, you're saying? Less hops, yeah. One, I I, one IBU, um, that'll let the bacteria flourish. Uh, also, it's just setting them up for success another way, adding them earlier in the process, not encouraging yeast or Britannomyces growth in certain circumstances. And, you know, that was fine to a certain extent. And that I see. produced a lot of good beers. But then, you know, our bacterial cultures were very strong. I see. And 
now we're kind of swinging, swinging the pendulum back, as we say. So are you using, you're using more hops in order to sort of curb the, the bacteria because they were produced? I see. Interesting. Sure. Yeah, that's so one, it, of the, it one of the ways you can do it. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. So you can, you know, curb them by not adding them. You can curb them by increasing your hopping rate. You can use barrel treatment. Does that increase the the, the bitterness and, and sure. the hop character of the beer, maybe undesirably so? Definitely. I mean, we've definitely been trying to, uh, and we're, in fact, we were, I think we were just talking about this uh, yesterday, uh, Stefan and I, and he was saying that, you know, although some of our batches, and I forget what IBUs they were, also is complicated because we've been messing around with our mash pHs when it comes to IBU extraction and other things, not to get to down that uh, rabbit hole but anyway getting back to the point i think that we we definitely went over on a few batches but the fact that we blend our beers it's like we have plenty of beers with no perceivable bitterness so if a few barrels are you know a little more bitter then it's not going to make an impact on the final beer but we, it did help us curb our acidity down but it's something to for those breweries out there with less barrels or you know you're making a huge batch of something i would you know, tread lightly, and yeah, I would just use that kind of 20 IBU, 25 IBU as a starting point. Gotcha. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to keep Mitch waiting. We got a bunch of his beers, so uh, let's save it for a segment of the next show, and I'll go get a couple of, of Maniacal's beers. What do you say? That sounds good. I just want to mention one last thing, Scott. Questions on the show are brought to us by, brought to you by, us by, our questions, us, them, Be- team, team us, sourbeerblog.com, the oh. longest-running sponsor of the Sour Hour and good friends of ours. And now, just right now, they're opening a sour and farmhouse-focused brewery in central Pennsylvania. Help them get started. You should help them get started. Yeah. Join their Founders Club. Is that still? Is it still open to uh, be joined? You know, I, I haven't heard from Doc. I'm assuming it is. If it's not, just send them money in the mail, which <laughs> yeah. I think is legal. Yeah. Just um, if you have or will or still can join the Founders Club, I suggest you do. You're going to get eight exclusive bottles of club-only Aged and blended sour beer, early access to all their public bottle releases, a hooded sweatshirt. Haven't heard back whether that has a zip or not. That was a question from the last show. Callback. He's been off the radar. Pair of tasting glasses, club growler, and the famous or infamous metal challenge coin. Not to mention discounts and much more. To join the Founders Club, check out Mellow Mink Brewing at mellowmink.com. And thank you to Matt, Dr. Lambeck, for continuing to be such a great sponsor of the show, even though we have no proof of life at this moment. Yeah, that's true. Although you bring up a good point, though, with the, uh, you know, assuming the Founders Club is sold out, which I don't think it is, but w- even if it is, or, or, or you like, yeah, I'm not ready to join, I don't have the money, I don't have the space in my cell or whatever, go in and liking them on the Facebook or uh, sending them a, a message or mm-hmm. following them on the Twitter or whatever, just it, some sort of engagement with them. It goes a long way. Post on their show. Facebook page, yeah. thanks for sponsoring the Sour Hour and I wish you the best of luck on exactly. the, the new endeavor. Your beers are going to be way better than Jerry, Jay's ever was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, moral support. Yeah, there you go. All right, I think now it's time for a break. I agree. So let's do that. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Speciation Artisan Ales on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Whedon, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. This is Vinny at Russian River Brewing Company. I'm getting funky on the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right. We're back. It's the Sour Hour. Tell me when it's... This is, is this the song or no? Nope. Okay. You'll, no, I'll, I'll let you know when it's coming. Okay. 
We're back to Sour. <laughs> Is this the song? No. <laughs> I want to thank uh, some of our other great sponsors, Oregon Fruit Products. You know what they have. Aseptic purees that are easy to use, convenient to store. No additives or artificial flavors. Simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with brewers, both Chris's, to help us innovate. Check them out. Fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon Fruit. They bring fruit to life. Also, this was mentioned before, but go ahead and listen to other BN shows. You know, if you want. Brew Strong. Dr. Homebrew. Should I mention on that? Brewing with style. Uh-huh. I guess the session, too. Saw Figaro Mountain. Speaking of, we were just talking about Santa Barbara off the air, but uh, yeah. they were on the session recently. They were, yeah. yeah. Well, what, a week or two ago? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they uh, they joined the show that uh, Chase and Chrome affectionately <laughs> referred to as the Juicy Podcast with the MIA host. Yep, that sounds That's about the right. the one. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they powered through. <laughs> but with no further ado, we've got his beer open in front of us. It is Mitch... Oh, yeah. oh. Wait, <laughs> so that some, what am I doing? Did you here? have some intro music? Uh, yes. For him? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was screwing around with the uh, with Chase and Chrome's. Uh, oh, that song. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, now it's only Mitch on this pot. Hey, Mitch. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> going great. <laughs> Typical, just really smooth uh, producing okay. to mean, introduce I'll, you. I'll take intro music. That sounds good to me. <laughs> we'll give you a rejoiner for the next segment. So, Mitch, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing just great. Excited to try your beers. You know, I know uh, you're new-ish. Probably not a lot of your beer has come out to uh, the Bay Area here in California, but we're excited to try it. I don't think so. I don't think a lot of it has made it, made it out there yet. Yeah, I bet you're doing just a lot out of your brewery. So uh, why don't we just start there? How would you describe what you're doing at Speciation? It's a long story. We're essentially a... Uh, farmhouse brewery. I know everybody kind of cringes at that term, but I don't really know what else to call our beer. So we don't have a brew house. Uh, we contract wort and then essentially bring it back here to ferment and age and then package. And uh, we sell one day a month for now. Focus on, uh, I guess, quicker turning farmhouse, sour, that kind of stuff. What does the brewery look like on those one day sales? It's super casual. Um, We sell tickets in advance, or we reserve tickets in advance, I guess. So people already have their bottles reserved. Um, So we kind of just have this six-hour window where people can swing by whenever they have time and uh, pay for their bottles. And we have a little tiny bar set up so people can get free samples or buy an eight-ounce pour. So there's usually no line. The longest anybody waits is probably about three or four minutes. And I'm usually just walking around, hanging out. My dog's walking around. (laughs) Smart. Sounds like a good system. Did you learn the hard way, or did you have it like that from the get-go? We had it like that from the get-go. I spent a lot of time thinking about how to have a release as smooth as possible. Um, Lines work for a lot of breweries. They're good for marketing and building hype and that kind of stuff. But I just hate waiting in line for anything, especially beer. So uh, we just decided to go without a line. Sounds pretty good. And I think we failed to mention uh, where your brewery is located. And you're just a little bit north of uh, Grand Rapids, right, in western Michigan? Yeah, we're we're literally one building uh, north of Grand Rapids. So the sign for the city <laughs> that we're in, which is Comstock Park, is right in front of our building. Comstock Park, got it. So, so it was accurate when I said you're just a little north of yeah, Grand Rapids. Like yeah, like two feet. I do, I do my research. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, as, as, as I mentioned, lucky enough for us, we've got one of your beers open, and this beer is Incipient Golden Sour Ale, and it's a version that is open fermented, Solera Sour, dry hopped with three different things. Selma, which I have to admit, I don't think I've ever heard of, although, as I've well, said on the show, I'm not the hop expert, Cascade, and Mosaic. So, tell us a little bit about this beer. So, this is one of our first, basically, I piloted a whole bunch of beers, and this is the one that I kept doing over and over again. It's open fermented, um, basically fermented with our house cultures. Usually it gets down to a pH of about 3.4-ish, and um, I guess primary takes a week or so, and then it's at final gravity by about a month. And then once it's at final gravity, we dry hop it, bottle it about a week later. We, we use um, only stainless IBC tanks, so a lot of professional brewers have been using them lately. Because uh, they're so cheap and they're just perfect for, you know, if you don't need temperature control. So they have this big, big manway on top and we uh, we dry hop in bags uh, just because it's a lot easier to process the beer, essentially. So we dry hop this at about three pounds per barrel 
with Belma, Cascade, and Mosaic. Oh, yeah, Belma. Sorry. I misread that label. <laughs> it's very small. I also don't, I, as I mentioned, I don't know what I'm talking about. So you could have told me it was Selma and I would have been like, oh, yeah, I got to go look for that hop. <laughs> we, just, we should have just ran with it. <laughs> don't ever correct me again. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good beer. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, dry hopping sour beers. Um, I'm curious about open fermented parts. You mentioned the uh, the stainless steel kind of totes that you have going, and we're familiar with those also at the, the Rare Barrel. And I think a lot of sour brewers are utilizing these um, as well. But it's an yeah. open fermented Solera. Can you walk us through, you know, kind of, I think you mentioned that there's a, an opening at the top, but can you walk us through that process and what kind of Solera you're running there? Sure. Um, when we first started, so we've changed our process a lot over the last couple of, well, I guess over the last eight months, um, just for practical reasons. But when we first started, I was kind of considering everything a Solera. So we didn't really clean a tank. We we brew a batch into it and then package the beer out of it, and then put wort right back in to ferment. So essentially, we were keeping this culture in this tank going just with new wort. Um, and so when we when we open ferment, um, essentially, we just get the wort in and then cover the opening of the tank. It has this big, probably two-foot manway. Uh, we cover it with cheesecloth and just let it go. Um, so fermentation obviously doesn't start for like, I don't know, 24 hours, sometimes more, sometimes less. But uh, in theory, we're getting a little bit of our, um, you know, microflora from the area and then fermentation begins. And also, you know, from open fermentation lends to def different characters, uh, I think more expressive, especially with Saison yeast and Britannomyces. What is the mixed culture that's in there that you're kind of starting with? You know, you mentioned that you're getting some from the microflora that are around you, but um, I, I noticed on the label, you know, there's it's a wild. I've already misread one thing from. I'm only like one what? foot away from the label, but it says wild and lab cultures. It looks like so. Uh, so what what is going into this beer to start that initial fermentation? So what went into the first couple of batches was um, this. I basically bought yeast from some of my favorite small labs. Um, Fung Quepid number two from Bootleg Biology, Brett Dre, because I just love it. Um, and then I also harvested some wild yeast from my parents' house um, out in Holland, Michigan, right by Lake Michigan. And so that combined with every time we brew, we pitch a little bit of uh, fresh Belle Saison because it's just so delicious and so reliable. So those those four plus uh, we also in the very first batch we added a bottle of Bam beer. Mm. Jocken is I think uh, I don't know they're just legendary and a huge influence on all of us. So you know our first couple of beers were uh, dry hopped saison essentially and a dry hop sour. So I definitely wanted to give an ode to Bam beer I guess. Bam beer one of the best beers not. Not just in the world, but I mean, very. If you're gonna, if you're gonna start in a brewery in Michigan, you know, you, you definitely have to kiss the ring there, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just I, I felt like I had to do it. I didn't necessarily want to steal their cultures or anything like that, but uh, I felt pretty comfortable putting a one bottle of Bam beer in there. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. That we we inoculated one oak barrel at the rare barrel when we started with uh, Utart from the brewery, which was the brewery I worked at before. That barrel didn't end up. Doing well, that was more my fault than the bottle. What, <laughs> what happened? It's just a way, way under pitch. You know, I was just mm -hmm. like, oh, I just want to see what this one bottle does to this whole oak barrel. And I was like, no, I, you know, our barrel maintenance practices are way better now. Maybe I would do that now, but uh, no, it, that was way off. It was a little, a little ambitious for <laughs> like the first barrel we filled. So it's just one barrel. It's just you know an experiment. It could have been a great barrel. Yeah, who knows? And at that time, I was just too naive and didn't really realize, oh, shoot, I really could use that barrel yeah. <laughs> of beer. <laughs> but uh, so so one thing I'm curious when it comes to, uh, you know, sour beer Solaris all the time, especially the one you described is, I think you mentioned this, it's been about uh, eight months, not just uh, on this beer, but kind of your beer making at speciation overall. Do you find challenges with the Solaris system, the drift over time? And how do you deal with like, the yeast management aspect or culture management aspect of that. So the next beer you're going to drink is called genetic drift. We really use that to inoculate everything. So we use that Solera, I guess, to uh, inoculate everything else. So for yeast management, um, it started off as really nothing. Uh, I would 
pull off of uh, the bottom of a tank to to start a new beer. Um, so we didn't we didn't do anything. So it definitely drifts. Uh, the first batch we pitched, I guess, a, a little bit lower amount of Brett, and we got a lot of funk from the first batch. And then the funk has definitely um, dropped down um, on batches two, three, four, five. Um, but I'm trying to kind of adjust that by increasing my mash temperature slightly. Pretty much everything is from, uh, mashed at 146, so ultra low. But with some of the saisons, I want a little more funk, so I just increased that by a measly two degrees. So I, that's that's my rudimentary answer to how we manage yeast. Um, we've, we've changed how we do things lately. I bought a couple of yeast brinks. The best batches that we have, I pull off of them uh, and just add it to the brink. So every time we get work in uh, from a brewery, uh, we pull off about 10 gallons from that brink and uh, pitch that into the batch. And it just everything we get gets that culture. Gotcha. And, you know, I did notice and uh, kind of looking into what beers you, you had been making that there's a lot of variations of this incipient. Is that something you made several times or is it all coming off like the initial batch and you chopped it up into little pieces or what? what is incipient to you? So incipient is, uh, for now, it's our base golden sour. It's what we uh, have used for pretty much every sour, every golden sour we've released we call incipient. It's the same base beer but we just do variations of it. Next year, we'll probably um, start naming it each variation something different. But honestly, I've been so busy, I haven't even had time to think about what my new names were going to be. So <laughs> I just kept slapping incipient on everything uh, and then just throwing a stamp on there that says, you know, aged in tequila barrels with whatever or whatever variation it was, we, we just put a stamp on it. Gotcha. I think that makes sense. And yeah, I know, I know how you feel right at that beginning there. Uh, <laughs> you start, oh, you, yeah, you start with the grand plan of all these names and ideas. Yeah. And then you're just like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually too busy making beer to <laughs> yep. think of ideas. So that's exactly what happened. Definitely. What do you think, Scott? I think we should go to a question. Cause I kind of want more, more beer. What do you think? Sure. I'm always down for more beer and questions. Maybe while you're looking that up, I'll just mention our great sponsor, Brew Guru, or a great app that is sponsoring the show. Indeed. Does that work? From the AHA. Yeah, from AHA. Have you seen what the free Brew Guru app can do for you? By now, yes, I have. Yes, certainly by now, you all know. (laughs) (laughs) With Brew Guru, actually, we did have some feedback in the uh, iTunes reviews where they missed the Brew Guru library. Yeah, unlistenable, he called the podcast since the the read went away. But now it's back. God bless you. Effortlessly find deals to save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. And really, what else do you need besides those three things? Well, maybe one other thing. Level up your brew IQ with hit. I'll let you guess what that is. Uh, with handpicked <laughs> articles, proven recipes, and trusted resources from the American Homebrewers Association and Zymergy Magazine. Use the powerful brewery locator to find nearby breweries, tap rooms, beer bars, homebrew supply shops, and brew pubs wherever you are. Brew Guru will lead you to good beer. Get the app today and follow the path to beer enlightenment. It's free for iPhone. iPhone. Uh, <laughs> the iPhone? The iPhone. That's that's my next phone for sure. And the, and Android devices. Learn more at homebrewersassociation.org. All right. This question is from Brian, who says, Hello, all. I've been brewing sour beers for quite a while. Now I have a house-mixed yeast culture with Brett that I have kept going for a little over a year now. Started from bottle dregs and commercial yeasts. I have three 15-gallon barrels that I have waxed on all the staves, uh, and I left the heads of the barrel unwaxed to slow oxygen ingress and uh, help prevent acetic acid and to keep Solera blending projects going. My last two batches of my uh, Saisonish barrel, I've experienced higher levels of TH... Now, he says THP. Is it, it's B, isn't it? P. It is THP. It yeah. is P. P as in pet. P. I keep screwing that one up for some reason. I say puppy. That's better. T as as in puppy. Okay. We'll cut my pet comment out. (laughs) And just to refresh everybody, that's the the off flavor that happens after you swallow the beer, which oftentimes tastes really good, and then you swallow it, and then it kind of is that cereal Cheerio-y weirdness. Captain Crunch, some people say. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he's experienced higher levels of THP in this Saisonish barrel recently. He says the nose and uh, taste have a pretty noticeable cereal note on them, like I said. Uh, I've read on Milk the Funk that it goes away eventually. I was wondering if you would think it would be better to uh, let the THP age 
age out in bottles uh, while bottle conditioning or bulk in the wood or in bulk in the wood barrels. I don't have a kegging setup since I, I bottle condition all my bottles. So should I add more yeast to clean it up? Uh, but he says he's also read that uh, Brett is the thing that causes the THP in the first place. Anyway, what, is, what are your thoughts? Mitch, I'm going to let you take this one first. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, THP is the bane of my existence. Uh, we've struggled with it. I think pretty much everybody, as soon as we discovered that it existed and discovered that some people don't like it, uh, it's been kind of the thing that we've been all attacking and trying to figure out. Let me, ask the, let me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Is it brand new? Why do I feel like it's brand new? Or has it always been there and people didn't notice it? I've been thinking about this a lot, and I honestly don't think that. I think that people liked it before it had a, hmm. uh, you know, off flavor association. Because when I talk to people that don't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about sour beer off flavors, which is a lot of people. Um, they, you know, they perceive it as kind of a graininess and they like that in general. Um, of course there's always people that hate it and there's always people that, um, I don't know, they, they just perceive it as grain or whatever, but, uh, it's, it's a big topic. It's, it's, it's in all of our beers when we bottle them, uh, or after we bottle them, it usually shows up about three or four days into bottle conditioning, um, and it used to last for about a month. And then we've been experimenting with different yeasts at bottling to eliminate that. So in our experience, we, we started bottling with uh, CBC1. So to clarify, we're bottling sour or wild beer that does not have THP in it. And we started with CBC1, and it would take about a month to go away. But we switched to uh, the wine yeast, uh, EC1118, about four months ago, and it it pretty much clears up by week two completely, which is amazing for just scheduling and production and that kind of stuff. But uh, it's, it's really been something that we struggle with. So to answer the question, uh, I would say don't be in a hurry and just wait until the barrel cleans up. But if you absolutely want to drink the beer... Uh, bottle it up with some fresh yeast, um, and I think then you can just wait for it to clean in the bottle so that you can keep your barrel going. What about Brian's assertion at the end there that he, he says that he's read that Brett is the thing that causes the THP? Have, have you found that to be the case? I do think that's the case, but I honestly don't know. The only reason why I think it's the case is because when we bottle, we've done a couple bottling runs where we didn't add fresh yeast, and the THP took forever to age out. And I think that that's just because the Brett was creating that compound when it came into contact with oxygen for however many days. But I, I honestly don't know. I've been struggling with it a lot. So it just seems to be doing better when I, when I bottle with fresh wine yeast. What about you, Jay? I'd agree with everything that Mitch just said, including his frustrations. I think it's, it's sort of a nightmare situation when it comes to THP because brewers deal with so much and we work so hard to limit off flavors. The fact that one has basically just appeared out of nowhere for it seems like mostly, if not entirely, sour beer brewers to deal with is, frankly, it just seems unfair. Like, no, it's like... <laughs> it's just yeah, outrageous. It's so crazy. And um, it's hard because we're in this in-between stage where I would say conservatively that more than 50% of consumers don't notice this or ha have heard of it. I'd also say conservatively that 50% of brewers, whether they make sour beer or not, also don't notice it and, and yeah, cannot perceive it. And I, I won't get into like a more accurate percentage because I really have no idea. But it's it's <laughs> for some for someone like Mitch, someone like myself who just live sour beer day in and day out. Of course, this is all consuming to our lives and. There's not enough inter information exactly to say, like, oh, this is definitely why it's happening. Here's how to solve it. Um, yeah. I, I like Mitch's data point on on trying out different yeasts, you know, see if that works for you for sure. I think oxygen, my theory is, plays a starring role in the production of THP. So I don't know. To me, it's almost like, you know, you're not, you're not going to get less oxygen exposure leaving it in the oak barrel. I might just maybe even wax up even more of your oak barrel there is that's still a small oak barrel um so i like what yep. you're doing with waxing the uh the staves and leaving the heads but you know this thp feedback might be telling you that you know you're not doing a lot of transfers so presumably you're not moving around this barrel a lot seems like maybe it's telling you that 
too much oxygen is getting into the beer. Maybe you like the way it tastes, but unfortunately, THP is like honey badger. THP don't care about, (laughs) you know, how good your beer tastes. And, you know, we've had a lot of beers that taste great, and we have to give them, uh, you know, I like that, Mitch. It seems like uh, a month has been as long as you've had to wait. We've we've had to wait six months. Wow. We did test batches. We We had a couple that basically never cleaned up during the duration that I was doing test batches. So, um, but I was not pitching any fresh yeast at bottling during Mm. that whole time. So uh, also I kind of cheat. And sometimes if I have a a beer that has THP, I uh, throw it in the warm room and uh, agitate the bottle and that seems to help, but I, it's just anecdotally, I can't like prove that it did anything really. And so it seems like some things there limit oxygen exposure, get a nice, uh, you know, healthy yeast to help re-ferment your bottle, you know, bottlings even. So maybe seeming like I'm implying that you should take this out of the barrel and put it into bottles. Bottling is going to introduce a lot of oxygen to your beer. So it's like, I'm not, I don't feel good about giving that advice, but I don't know if you made this point, Mitch, or it was the emailer, but, you know, adding yeast to the barrel, it's like, oh, well, if adding yeast is a good part of the bottle refermentation, maybe I just do that in the barrel. I don't know if we've really experimented with that. We don't have that much THP formation in the barrel, which, yeah, I, we don't which I hope is a reflection on good practices in the cellar, but maybe the just the fact that, you know, bottling is a massive oxygen and ingress. So sure. that's not helpful, but I guess thank you for joining the team of We Hate THP <laughs> and working on it. And if you find anything, please let us know because I know you know, a hundred brewers that are working on this really hard. And, you know, every, every piece of progress we get, that's concrete. We're definitely going to report that'll be shared on, you know, milk of the funk, sour hour, everything, sour beer blog, all that stuff. Let me ask this. How would you guys even know, how would you know how patient to be? Cause I meant you said, Jay, I mean, Mitch, you're saying a month that I understand, but I mean, six months, like deep in month four, how are you know to keep hanging on? Oh, and to waiting, keep hanging on? You know? I mean, th- what's the alternative? You know, you can... Well, cut- dumping it. I mean, oh. you dump beer. But this is in the bottle. Oh, in the bottle. Oh, oh, it's already in the bottle. Yeah. Okay, sure. And I, yeah, we haven't, like, to Mitch's point right there, you know, we haven't had a batch that never cleaned up, but I mean, certainly at month five, six, you kind of think... Just, oh, my God. <laughs> like, maybe not. You know, we've definitely had... We've had whole bottles of beer that we bottled and were bad, or we bottled and were good. And they just, for one quality reason or another, we had to just destroy those bottles. Right, that's what I mean. It still takes up room. And, I mean, yeah, it's already in bottles, but it's still still a question of should we continue to sit on this. It's a small batch for us, luckily, but one we loved, and it was just painful to to drink it and have, you know, a good four seconds and a bad seconds four through six. It's it's really awful. As a small production brewery, uh, it's really annoying because um we don't have that much space in here i'm in three thousand square feet and a pallet of bottles is very valuable space so we could be you know every everything else turns much faster so if we have a beer that it takes a while to clean up that's that's really valuable space to me Absolutely. Definitely. So what would you, I mean, you know, I'm imagining somebody has, has a, you know, a brewery or, or a, you know, a professional brewer and it's, it's, uh, it's now month six and a half and they're hearing this and they're like going, well, I don't know. Should I keep waiting? What would you say to somebody like that? First I'd say the F word really loud <laughs> and just, yeah, get involved in the sour beer community, I guess is my best piece of advice because, you know, okay, limit the oxygen exposure. Once it's in the bottle, it's just like, okay, you're the die is cast. I'd wait it out. Maybe try what Mitch did with the agitation and increase in temperature. Although you know, don't increase the temperature too much because you're talking about sour beer refermentation. So we've talked about those risks before on the show. Yeah. Uh, so I would do what Mitch did, but preventatively um, limit oxygen exposure. Do a refermentation. Be really careful on your bottling. If you can adjust your how much you purge your bottles, purge the crap out of them, and just try your best. And you know, share what works and what doesn't work. Write down your data. That's a very important part of our process as the rare barrel because when a beer doesn't get THP, we kind of want to know why. And when it does, we kind of want to know why. Even though we don't fully understand the reasons, maybe we will if we just write everything down kind of thing. So I would say write everything down and, and follow those steps and, and hope for the best. 
You know, I'm wondering if maybe the solution here is to just stop educating people about beer off flavors. I'm down. <laughs> I'm know? so down. Because I'm trying to, like, I mean, I, it's like inconceivable to me now in my mindset now to think that I would have enjoyed uh, THP before I knew that it was an off flavor because it's so overwhelming to my palate, you know? Like, you swallow it, and then it's like, it's like sort of it clings to your tongue, and it's like, ah, it's like so, it's so unpleasant. because of the timing. You know? it, is, it, just, it just ruins your whole drinking experience. It it really does. It's the worst. But I know I drank beers with it before I knew what it was, and I don't. I can't say that I hated it that much. But it's so hard in retrospect to say, yeah, it was awful or whatever. Well, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna just give myself probably way more credit than I deserve. And I, like back at homebrew homebrew uh, festivals and. You know, out of 2009, mm-hmm. I was being handed sour beers that were just acetic acid bombs. And yeah. na- they were just, I was drinking nail polish remover. And, you know, there were lots of people being like, oh, hey, and cheersing with it and seeming to like it. And I did not like it. Mm-hmm. I never liked it, even though, even before I ever knew that that was a, an undesirable acid. Even that maybe wasn't explicit at that time. But even that's a way more obvious off flavor than THP. Now it doesn't seem like it, but the timing of THP, where it's like, to me, I, get, I think I've said this before, but it's like it comes so late so and it's yeah. bad. It's like your breath is bad all of a sudden. Yes, it's like, yes. whoa, like, why is my breath bad? Like, I yeah. don't. And it's like, like six seconds after you swallow and yeah. it seems like such a great beer. And then all of a sudden. You never attribute that to the beer you just drank. That tastes so good. How so. Could it was so long ago that I swallowed. How could it possibly be related? Yeah. Anyway, I think we could do a whole <laughs> yes. show on THP. Oh, for real. But uh, I want to drink more of Mitch's awesome beers. Yeah, not a hint of THP. And this, this beer is great, Mitch. Man, I can't wait to try the next one. Yeah. So let's make some progress on that. We'll take a quick break and be right back with Mitch from Speciation on the Sour Hour. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Cocaine quarter piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, it's born like this. See, yeah. Is that good, Mitch? That's, that's amazing. That's perfect. Walk-up song. Oh, yeah. Let's play it a little more. While I pour his beer. I got, I got, I got, I got realness. I just kill shit because it's in my DNA. I got millions. I got riches building in my DNA. I got guns. While this is rolling, I'm going to talk to you about I did. Seems appropriate. <laughs> it's a Homer commercial water use testing kit, which incorporates a revolutionary photometer. Photometer. Which is the first and only on the market with its own app, the iDip app. The iDip can perform over 40 different water quality tests for things like chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and much more. Podcast listeners should enter code TBN10 at checkout and save $10 on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process. Visit another futuristic technology, the internet, www.smartbrewkit.com. All right. Uh, Mitch, let's uh, go to the chat quickly. Uh, Eric from Grand Rapids wants to know a, a pretty basic good question. He, what got you into sour brewing in the first place? No, uh, I guess sour beer, like our second beer we made uh, when I first started brewing beer with my roommates was a lambic and that was air quotes um we didn't know what we were doing i just had had one or two and thought they were great um and we very naively thought that we could make one in like two and a half three weeks um from a kit uh, but uh i i just always been interested i'm that kind of 
person who, you know, had war, atomic warheads as a kid and all the sour acidic candy. Um, I'm probably paying for it now with all the heartburn, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, and now, you know, fast forward nine years, um, the reason why I like making sour beer is just, it's really technical. Um, you can get really deep into the scientific side, but I also really appreciate that you can develop your own method of acidification or whatever you want to call it, wild fermentation. You can develop your own method that really nobody else does. You know, there's so many variables. You can tweak any of them to make kind of your own unique thing that nobody else makes. So that's, that's what I love about making them now commercially. And it always starts with homebrew, doesn't it, Scott? Always. It does, yeah. Just like the wine and hop shop, wineandhop.com. They can start you in homebrewing. Yeah, it's actually where to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria from Omega Yeast and Gig Yeast, some of our favorites. Most times they're going to ship within 24 hours, and best of all, BN listeners, that's you. In the continental U.S., get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under... 25 pounds. I guess you guys were ordering a bunch of like cinder blocks from Poor Wine and Hop. And the... Yeah, you guys clear them out. They <laughs> all, they almost went out of business, but they did not stop their sponsorship. That's right. So help them out by, you know, getting that flat $8 shipper rate for orders under 25 pounds, which, you know, yeast still is. So yeah, and keep doing your thing. Lots of stuff. Just enter BN shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop, Wine and Hop. Com. You got another chat question there, Danica? Danica? Yeah, you're just going to have to, you're just gonna have to millennial. say it. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, look at that. Let's right. watch out, Bevo. It's a, it's a long one. Okay. From Eric the Sour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Eric the Sour. What's Eric's question? There's a couple. Do you think that there is a shift in the sour beer world that is equivalent to the lupulin shift? Lupulin. Yep. shift as seen in the hoppy beer world where either the public has a demand for beer that is more sour or possibly that there is more acid tolerant people out there and how do you try to bridge the gap between people who may have accumulated this tolerance whom you want to satisfy as well as a novice or introductory sour beer drinker specifically when as a brewer slash blender, you yourself have a higher tolerance, therefore making it harder to judge what a seasoned drinker might like versus a novice. Excellent yeah, and question. detailed question yep. and an excellent uh, reading so of so the question. Um, so since I made Mitch go first last time, I'll, I'll tr take a crack at this. I think it basically comes down to, yeah, I mean, comparing the, the hop craze with sour beer craze and kind of the, the IBU wars with, uh, you know, I don't know, titratable acidity wars. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I think a lot of sour beer brewers have not only learned the lessons of, um, you know, making good sour beer, but also when it comes to, you know, living through that bitterness thing, we all have this on our minds when we're, when we're making these decisions. Um, I think the good news for, for most of us is most sour beer blenders, beer makers that I talk to don't really have a taste for very, very sour beers. And, it's almost like some of our beers get sour. I know some of the beers of the Rare Barrel have gotten sour more assertively than you know I, I would put in my sweet spot. Certainly, there are customers that we have that really like that. I like to have a you know since we only make sour beer, I like to have something on the menu that is more firmly sour and then something that's barely perceivable sour, um, and then a lot in the middle. Um, that's my preference. And I think we've seen that that's what most people's preference are, too, to the point of um, the person. Was it from the chat? Question yeah. What, the chat? what was his name, Danica? Eric the Sour. Yeah. Eric the Sour. Um, great question, by the way, Eric. In your point about getting used to sour beer, I don't know. I don't think I've ever made a sour beer and then thought it wasn't very sour and then given it to someone else. And they were just, like, blown away by how sour it is. So I don't think I'm that far off from a normal palate is because I think sour beer is very sour beer is very sour beer to me. But yeah, my taste trend towards less acidic beer because I like to drink beer. I like to drink a lot of beer and I want to have more than a taste of a beer. Maybe one of those aggressive sour beers is fine for a bottle share, but I, I don't live my life always at a bottle share. I live it at home where I'm <laughs> trying to drink a beer with dinner. And for most of those, you know, I want, 
a light to medium acidity, depending on what the beer is, what I'm eating and stuff like that. So I think the, I don't, I don't think there's that much difference from the consumer to a lot of the blenders that at least I talk to, but, uh, Hey, I'm talking to a blender right now. Mitch, what do you think? I agree with pretty much everything. Well, everything you just said. I don't think that it's difficult to sell people on the idea of sour beer or anything like that. The the question kind of alluded to that. Like sour flavors are they're in pretty much most cuisines now, and people are pretty comfortable with them. They don't necessarily think of beer as being acidic, but it's pretty easy to bridge that gap with the right explanation from the the brewer or just a fan of the beer. On another point, I would definitely agree with Jay about I actually cannot stand really acidic beer. It drives me insane. Uh, it's, it's undrinkable, and I really like to make drinkable beer. Um, that being said, we also do make pretty sour beers at sometimes, like down to the 3.2 or sometimes lower pH. Um, and I really am not a huge fan of those beers. I know that they, they taste good. I just can only drink about two ounces before I'm done. Uh, but a lot of our customers really prefer super acidic beers. So there's there's a balance. I, I, I tend to make beers that I like to drink, which means uh, balanced acidity. Yeah, I'll just maybe put one more fine point on this. I, I find that the beers and barrels that we make at the rare barrel that are more sour are so much more difficult to blend with that we have to commit. They take over everything. Exactly. You have to, you know, blend if you, it's, it's the beer that you blend 50, 50 with a completely non sour beer. And you're like, man, this is still, you know, pretty it's firmly tart. And then you put two barrels to it and you're like, yeah, this is better, but then it's not quite right. And then you put three barrels to it and you're like, okay, this is the acidity that I want, but I just don't, I'm not excited about this beer anymore. Yeah. At that point, it just tastes more like a regular old beer, <laughs> clean, and, clean beer. Yeah. And, and maybe there's some acid profile to it, but maybe there's not a lot of character around it. So you're, you're not really building a beer out of what you're excited about. You're building a beer from necessity. And at that point, even though that original barrel, that's, you know, assertively sour doesn't have off flavor it's not acetic it's just very lactic and overpowering we just dumped that barrel and that's that's been something we've had to learn where it's just like wow this this is a beer we could sell even if we just blended it 50 50 with another beer and it's just like this just doesn't reflect what we want to do it's not bad per se it's just too much of one thing imagine you added you know too much vanilla to a beer it's like okay you could blend that down all day but i mean you know why you have to get comfortable dumping dumping beer that you don't like for any reason i think Uh, unless there's thp then just wait it out (laughs) (laughs) which we solved in the last segment yeah yeah Yeah. solved that whole problem Uh, yeah i I think even if if you have a beer that's just so acidic you can't even you can't even blend it down or it loses all of its character You, you don't really have an option at that point if you want to make the best beer to your palate. I'd agree. So so basically with the on the hoppy side of the craft beer market, it did get to a point, you know, whatever it was five, seven years ago, where you could not make a beer bitter enough. You just you just had to keep upping the ante and try to get to the mythical two hundred IBUs. Those were such sad. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. But we're basically saying that that, that really hasn't there's no parallel, really, in the sour beer market where, like, everyone's just trying to make the most acidic beer they can. That's that's just not really happening, maybe because of the response of the public hasn't been the same, and also the ethos of the sour beer brewers aren't the yeah, same either. Yeah, I think either. have a lot to do with, uh, with that. Uh, I mean, I think we went through a very quick phase where everybody was making super acidic beers maybe, like, two or three years ago, but it was super quick, and then everybody backed down from it immediately. That's just my perception of it. Yeah, I think beer, craft beer makers, craft brewers learn from the mistakes of the past. Not even mistakes, yeah. just trends. And you look at you know the the '90s where there was people you know starting craft breweries to to get in and cash out and make a quick buck. And I think you see now a lot less of that, even though there's a big craft beer boom. But you still see it if you're around the craft brewing industry. You know a brewery that is that you think is doing that exact thing, and yeah. you know it's just like. So are there brewers that are, uh, you know, really hyping up the... Is Walt from Wicked Weed? <laughs> Sorry, I hit the wrong button. My bad. <laughs> yeah, there are brewers around that are marketing their beer like, hey, this is uh, the equivalent of like 100 international souring units or like 
this is going to rip your throat apart, yeah. sour beer. And it's like, you just you just call a spade a spade at that point, you know, but it's it's few and far between. And um, so I think, you know, as a community, we're good at learning from that kind of thing. And that's all good. But I, I, I am beginning to get uncomfortable because we've gotten way too far. I've been enjoying a beer in my glass. Yes. Actually, this is my second <laughs> glass of it. And I must talk about it. And this is the one that Mitch uh, referenced in the last segment. And I believe it's genetic drift, but Scott moved the bottle, so I can't see the Oh, yeah. Anymore. Sorry. Genetic drift. That's right. Oh, and quickly um, for Danica. Genetic drift. Lupulin. Yeah, she was asking for a pronunciation. Lupulin. There you go. It's Lupulin. A, a bitter yellowish powder found on glandular hairs beneath the scales of the flowers of the female hop plant. Lupulin. Can we get a pronunciation for a glandular? Lupulin. <laughs> Lupulin. Oh, that was very good. good. You could do that professionally. Glandular. Right? <laughs> right? Maybe not that one. Glandular. Glandular. <laughs> Glandular. That's good. Do it again. Glandular. Glandular. GL. Glandular. Glandular. GL. Gland. Glandular. I, am. I thought you said grand. I thought you did too. Yeah, you Glandular. did. Glandular. Glandular. <laughs> okay. Mitch, tell us about genetic drift. <laughs> Please save us from ourselves. I don't know. I feel like I'm trapped in a vortex right now. Um, uh, Glandular. <laughs> uh, uh, so, genetic drift is um, kind of our house saison, farmhouse. American Wild Ale. I don't really know what to call call it, and I feel uncomfortable with all of the things that I just called it. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a it's our house non super acidic beer. Uh, it's the beer that we use basically for yeast propagation, uh, yeast and bacteria propagation. Uh, prop, I don't know. It's just the beer that I that we make that I like to drink the most, probably because it's the least acidic. Um, but we it's a super simple grist of um, pilsner wheat. Uh, oats, rye, and uh, either Vienna or Munich. I've been kind of alternating back and forth trying to figure out which one I like more. And uh, it's just an expression of our yeast, really. And then also with a little bit of a dry hop just to make it, uh, just to give it a little bit of a zing. I love this beer. Yeah, Jay's working on number, is the second one now? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so you got the dry hop with Mosaic and Saws. And I, I, I'm racking my brain to think of the last beer that I had that I like this much. This is my favorite beer in a while that I've had in a while, mm. I would say. Wow. This is very, very good. Very light acidity. Yep. Uh, wow, I'm just looking at the bottle now. 7.2% ABV does not come off that way. No, not no. at all. Super, super dry. Yep. It's, when, when we bottled it, it was at, you know, one, basically, not Play-Doh uh, specific gravity. So it, it it's super dry, and I'm sure it has gotten more dry because we bottled this in, I think, early January. So... And I think that dryness, I don't know why. It's either the dryness or all the, you know, adjuncts that we added that hide the alcohol a little bit. But How often do you guys see, um, is saws used in dry hopping a lot and I'm just an idiot? Like, it's used for, for bittering for Pilsners, isn't it? Pilsners. Yeah, Pilsners. And so mm-hmm. how often is it used in dry hopping? Uh, not enough. Yeah, I would agree with <laughs> it's that. Great. We, 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 it's great. It's my favorite hop. I, I don't. Like, I've gone back and forth between all the sexy new hops, and I just keep coming back to uh, Saws. Yeah, I'm with you. It's and, and great, yet, and especially in You like ruined this beer with Mosaic. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, yeah, no, no, Saws is so underrated, man. That's why I love Pilsners. It's it's that Saws yeah, character. I agree. Yeah, it really is. That's, that's a huge... Pilsner's my... By far, I drink more Pilsner than anything else. But And that... that I hope that comes through in this beer and other beers that we do. Um, I always try to pair a, a hop that not many breweries use now in America because they don't sell super well. I always try to pair Saws or EKG or something like that with uh, Galaxy or Mosaic or Citra or Amarillo. I think it's um, super smart. Yep. Well done. Yeah. And I, yeah. Again, I just think this, this beer is a home run for me. I feel the same way about Saws. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm I've lost my train of thought. And <laughs> have you ever dry, have you ever dry hop with it? Either a brewery. Oh, or that's a thank you. Yeah, thank you, Scott. You're that's welcome. exactly where my thoughts were. Yeah, we did. So we did a tart saison with. Uh, I think. Well, did we do EKG? It was a noble hop. I I want to say maybe it was EKG. What was? Do you remember the name of the beer? Byway. Okay. It's, it's I don't think dra- I ever had it's it. It's draft only. Find it at the Rare Barrel, nine forty four oh, Street, Rare Berkeley, Barrel. California. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you, you heard it? Yeah, I hear the beers are way too acidic, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we're dry hopping with sauce now. So. Hey, well, now it's i got to give it another try. It out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's Pilsner-like. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's you know I, just to call back to uh, I think it was the one of our Jester King shows. You know, they were speculating about you know oh let's make this beer, let's make that beer, and at one point they were just talking about like man we love Pilsner so much, why don't we just make like a mixed culture Pilsner? And then they're like, isn't that just what our saisons taste like? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're almost like sad, you know. But I think yeah. that's that's some of my those are some of my favorite beers the the mixed culture saisons with dry hops that taste like pilsner, but just a kiss of acidity. Man, oh, you God. can't beat it. No, it's perfect. That's, that sounds like a desert island beer right there. Yep. Yeah, and hey, this one's right up there, Mitch. This is a fantastic job you did on this. Indeed. Well, what are, how are we doing on time, Scott? Oh, uh, we are about ready to do a show break. Show here. break. Well, yep. before we do that, I need to shout out our friends who are you know speaking of loggers they make great loggers neshaminy creek brewing yes they do three times they have been philly beer scene magazine's brewer of the year two-time gabf vienna style lager medal winner one time and probably another time coming up here in a few months for a bronze for a smoke lager not mm. implying that they're going to get bronze, just another metal. For well, a sports beer? Yeah, why not? Renovated tasting room with a variety of beer styles for from hoppy double IPAs to sessionable and poundable lagers. It just, that sounds weird, saying it out loud. Pilsner. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, including Pilsner. Dry hop with check sauce. I'm just making that up. That could not be true. <laughs> to oak fermented saisons and sour beers, stuff we're talking about tonight. Free brewery tours on Saturdays. New second location opening this pat. <laughs> I changed this copy. <laughs> this, is, this is nice. This is almost a little joke to myself in the future. <laughs> New second location opening this past spring. <laughs> well done, me. Uh, check out Neshaminy Creek Brewing at NeshaminyCreekBrewing.com. There you go. All right, Mitch, okay. can you hang out on the line, man, and do another show with us? Absolutely. Sweet. Awesome. That's exciting. We're going to get some more great speciation. It's a good thing I don't have a lisp. It's a tough one. Speciation. Speciation. Don't take my stapler. Um, Who's my I'm going to totally mess up this timing now. Uh, thanks to Mitch for hanging in there with us. Thanks to the sponsors. Light the building on fire. Thanks to Scott. And thanks to our new Bevo, Danica, behind the glass. Until next time, stay sour. I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops t- to it. <laughs>